glory to the name of the Lord. This is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Welcome, Marketplace. Welcome to this Sunday morning where we are worshiping the Lord together. I know that we had originally intended to be in the building today, but um, we're going to continue on this virtual journey. Uh, continue to stay tuned to us that God will uh, give us insight as it pertains to how we move forward and how we gather safely and correctly and under God's will. Let's dig into the word of the Lord. Um, last time we were together on Wednesday, we were focusing on regaining and maintaining our spiritual focus. I ended by telling you that it was training season and we were talking about what your eye focuses on. If your eye is single, single or, or focused, your whole body will be full of light. And so there were a couple of questions that I asked on Wednesday. Does your regiment match the will of God or the will of the flesh? Does your regiment match your next level or your previous level? And finally, does your regiment match the broken version of your heart or the healed version of your heart? All of this that I've been teaching, if you just allow me to take my time this morning, all of this is regarding the new creation. How do I get to this position, this place in God where I am living, behaving, thinking the way that the Lord desires? What do we know? We know that our mouth can get us in trouble. And we know that the heart and the mouth are connected. Out of the abundance or the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. But I do not want anybody who is listening to me this morning to believe that just a simple desire to do better is enough. We've read the scripture, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the fat of the land, the good of the land. So wanting to is not enough. And so this morning, as I just wrap up this portion on this series about our mouth, and we're going to move into faith-filled words versus flesh-filled words um, next Sunday, I need you to write this down for me. And I'm going to get to the passage, but I need you to write this down, and I need this to be the declaration that you carry with you. It's very, very simple. Here it is. Change requires change. Write that down. Change requires change. Many of us, all of us, if we're willing to tell the truth, we have dealt with sin patterns. Now, those patterns are in the heart, the mind, the will, the emotions, the intellect, and the imagination, which then impact the mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. By your word, you will be justified. By your word, you will be condemned. So if we're going to tell the truth, we have dealt with sin patterns or habits of sin. In other words, many of us have committed the same sin over and over again. We're trying to move to spiritual regiments, but many of us have had sin regiments. Now, what have we called these things? We've called them struggles, uh, difficulties, issues. Uh, we've called them thorns in the flesh. 
We've called them demonic oppression. And by labeling these things, we think that by simply being able to identify that it is a problem, that we've done our job. Identification is not the resolution. I'm not saying that identification is not important. It is important that we know what we're dealing with, that we get to the root, that we get to the heart. But identification in, in, in and of itself is not the solution. So the real question, the real question that we must ask and the real question that I want to answer before you on this morning is how do I make it stop? Has anybody that is listening to me ever wondered, how do I make it stop? How do I stop the pattern of improper behavior? How do I stop the pattern of improper thinking? How do I stop the regimen of sin? How do I make it stop? If you will allow me before I get to, uh, I just have one singular text that I will focus on, but let me peruse you through the scripture a little bit. How do I make it stop? Let me peruse you through the scripture. So David, a man after God's own heart, sins with Bathsheba. We know that story. David is then made aware of his sin by the prophet. After he is made aware of his sin, that does not mean that he is delivered from his sin. Remember, identification is not the solution. Even feeling bad is not the solution. How do I make it stop, Bishop? After he is made aware of his sin, he prays this prayer. We know it from the song. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Y'all know, know the song. So he asked God to create in him, to refashion, to redevelop a clean heart. Literally, fix my mind, will, emotions, intellect, and imagination. Create in me. Pattern after me. Make me new. And here's the reality about this prayer. We never read about David sinning in this manner again. I'll give you another one. Jesus points out the sin habit with the woman at the well. As he meets the woman at the well, I'll give you living water that, you've ever that you'll never thirst again. He asked her, go find your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He says, that is well. The last five have not been your husband either. Boom, she immediately recognizes that he is a prophet. Her whole life is turned upside down. The encounter, one singular encounter with the Lord who identifies her pattern of misbehavior changes her life forever. She's able to, he identifies it. And then once, she, once he identifies the problem, her work, she acknowledges who he is. Watch this. He identified the issue. She acknowledged who he was. The whole, her whole life has changed. I'll give you another. Jesus comes in contact with the man who is possessed with what the scripture says is a legion of demons. He's, he's, he's cutting himself. He's throwing himself into the fire. We understand that, that this guy is in a pattern of demonic behavior. After one 
encounter with the Lord, he's completely restored. We do not read of this boy being repossessed again. We do not read of an onslaught of demonic behavior in this boy ever again. I hope you guys are hearing me this morning. Let's, let's, let's do another one. Paul. Paul was in a lifestyle, literally dragging Christians away in chains, murder, abuse, death. His, his lifestyle is completely contrary to the will and the way of the Lord. His lifestyle. He was in a, a, a lifestyle of rebellion to the will of God. One encounter on the road of Damascus changed his life and the trajectory of his life forever. After one encounter, everything changes. His regimen changes. His focus changes. His mindset changes. His behavior changes forever. We never see Paul go back to his pre-Damascus road life. Pay attention. We never See David sin with Bathsheba again. We never see the woman at the well in this issue again. We never see Paul go back to this lifestyle again. How about this one? The soothsayer, who the scripture says gained her owners much gain by her soothsaying, comes in contact with the apostles. They call her out. She was in a demonic pattern. A pattern of oppression. She was in bondage to the behavior, in bondage to the sin. After one encounter with the men of God, the representatives of the Most High, after one glory, 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 one encounter, the trajectory of her life is changed forever. Now, just sit with these. I, I, I took you Old Testament all the way to New Testament. I took you from, from, from God the Father. We see Jesus do it and we see the Lord's people do it. And I need to stop here because I told you a minute ago, change requires change. What is wrong with us? We're in patterns, sinful patterns, rebellion patterns. We are coming to God about the same thing day in and day out. And we say things, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. But, but, but when I look at the scripture, when I look at the scripture, an encounter changed their life forever. Their entire heart was transformed. Paul never goes back. The soothsayer we never read about again. The woman caught in adultery. Jesus says, go and sin no more. The pattern of sin, the habit of sin, the heart of sin was transformed after one encounter. Why? Why is it, people of God, that we can hear the same thing about the same sin and confess before the Lord the same thing, the same sin, every week for 5, 10, 15, 
20 years and, and, and just be okay with it? How do we make it stop? How do we make sure that this is not just a moment? How do we make it stop? How do we make transformation stick? How do we make holiness our lifestyle? How do we actually walk as the new creation? How? See, when we have a legitimate a legitimate encounter with the Lord, a legitimate encounter with God's people. When those who carry the anointing, like a legitimate anointing, not an act, not a performance. We don't need performers, y'all. We don't need performers. We need people, men and women of God who are walking in the legitimate anointing of God, who are sold out. Who, listen, and I'm not talking about people who have always been perfect because Paul certainly wasn't. But let me tell you, we never see Paul go back to that old life. When you have a real encounter, a legitimate encounter, you have new mindsets, new patterns, new regimens, new expectation, new revelation. God can speak to you at another level when you're at another level. I'll say that again. God can speak to you at another level when you're at another level. God can speak to you at another level when you're at another level. Lord, show me what to do. He's like, you're not at the level to hear that instruction yet. Lord, how do I get out of this? You're not at the level to hear that instruction because the instruction of your deliverance is actually only accessed by a higher level of maturity. There are people right now, you're believing God for increase but you don't have a regimen of increase. You're believing God for revelation, but you don't have a regimen of revelation. And what I'm saying to you is change requires change. If I want my mind, my will, my emotions, my intellect, and my imagination to be completely sold out and connected to God's will, change requires change. Now, let's go further. I'm almost at my scripture. Deciding Making a decision is important, but that's not the end. I can't just say, okay, I decide. Bishop, I've heard you. You've been hammering this long enough. Get off of it. Teach on something else. I won't change. That's not enough because many of us want different and never do different. Desiring different does not create different. Many of us are even asking God for different, but that doesn't create different because the request is not the manifestation. Once you make the request, you must understand that the request is not the end of the story. The request still requires a change of behavior. What did I say? Change requires change. A legitimate, I keep coming back to that word, and I hope you guys are hearing it, underlining it in your notes. A legitimate encounter with the Lord will always cause a tangible change. And the reason I say legitimate is because we have a lot of strange fire in the body of Christ. We create a whole lot of illegitimate encounters. And an illegitimate encounter, you're encountering something but not encountering God. 
in, in, in many of our churches, if the music is just right and the lighting is just right and the song is just right, you can create an encounter. It's just not an encounter with Jesus. And we think that because we have goosebumps that God is there. Goosebumps or whatever comes upon you is not the fruit of an encounter with God. The fruit of an encounter with God is change. We cannot say that we have come in contact. Oh, we experienced the Lord. Many of us have said we experienced God, left that service and sinned right after that. This is not the pattern that we see in scripture. So a legitimate encounter with the Lord will always cause a tangible change. And the first thing, listen to me, I'm almost at my text. The first thing that changes is the old things. Somebody just write down in your, note, in your notes, there will be a death to old things. Write that down. There will be a death to old things. Matter of fact, as you are listening to me, just take a moment. If you're on whatever social media platform you're on, go ahead and, and, and write that out. Tell somebody, make it your declaration today. There will be a death to old things. What do you mean? I will no longer think like I did pre-Jesus. I will no longer behave like I did pre-Jesus. I will no longer speak like I did pre-Jesus, there will be a death to old things. Now, I'm about to show you a revelation in scripture in a minute. But in the examples that I've given you before, these examples of David and Jesus and Paul and the soothsayer with the apostles, in those examples, those people had an encounter and the old died. That's what happened. Jesus comes in contact with, with the demoniac, with the legion of demons, one encounter, demons dead. Jesus has brought the boy who was born blind. He's born blind. He is born blind. He has never seen before one encounter, blindness gone. The soothsayer comes in, a pattern of soothsaying comes in contact with the men of God. The men of God speak one word, soothsayer gone. That behavior, that pattern completely eliminated. There's one or two things happening. Either we're not willing to put in the change that matches the declaration that we're giving. We're not willing to submit to the word that we're giving, or we're under a word that doesn't have enough power to change us. It has to be one of the two. I believe that there are legitimate men and women of God who are preaching and teaching a legitimate word of the Lord. And there are people who are in rebellion because we are in love with the old thing more than we're in love with the new life in Christ. Why? Why are we in love with old things? Because, watch this, the new creation is just that, new. And we don't know how to work it. We don't understand it. We won't dig into it. The old thing is comfortable. The old thing is familiar. And what I'm saying to you in this message today, I hope somebody is, is, is hearing me. If you want change, whatever, just whatever you want change in, it's going to require some change from you. You want change? It's going to require, require change. Oh, let's get tangible. You want some change in your finances? A change in your finance requires a change in your heart, your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, your imagination. You want increase? Increase requires an increase from you. You reap what you sow. 
You want a change in your marriage? You want the change in your marriage to come by staying the same while your spouse changes. That's illegitimate. You want a better marriage? A better marriage starts with a better you. And then what happens if both parties are striving for better? It gets better. Change requires change. You want a better job? Better job requires better performance from you. My boss ain't going to do right by me. Let God handle your boss. You do the best you can while you can, when you can, and allow God to reward you openly. Whatever you want more of, change requires change. In your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, your imagination. Otherwise, what happens is the heart becomes darkened. Your focus is not on the things of God, but on the things of the flesh. Your mouth now emulates and speaks out the darkness of the heart. Your focus now impacts your entire well-being. Your worldview is now shaped by your focus. And instead of walking in the new creation, you are consistently walking in the familiar, trying to figure out why you can't walk in deliverance. Watch this. Because, let me tell you why. Peter is delivered. Peter, he's, he changed his name. Peter is the one that gets delivered. Not Simon. See, Simon is the familiar. Simon is the old you. I'm going to dig into name changes uh, on, on Wednesday. But we often see this little, this little wording in the scripture where it says, they were, now they are. We see it with Abraham. We see it with Sarah. Come on now. They were known as. And sometimes we're so in love with who we were that we refuse to become who God wants us to be. The old us has stories. The old us has conquests. The old us has sinful victories. And because we refuse to be disciplined and discipled and get under someone who can teach us how to walk in the new creation, I mean legitimately under, legitimately discipled by, we refuse that. We do not know how to work our new spiritual equipment. And we're complaining about what life in Christ won't do and what life in Christ won't afford when the reality is all of that is available to us once we understand how to properly work the new equipment. So, to become a new creature, to become a new creation, to become a new species, listen to this revelation. The stimulus of the new creation, the stimulus of the new creation is the death of old things. This is very important because I have previously taught this actually the reverse. What do you mean? Go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians 5. This is the one passage and I'm almost done actually. I hope you have in your notes, the stimulus of the new creation is the death of old things. I've previously taught this verse in this way. Second Chronicles, I mean, second Corinthians, excuse me, second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. Therefore, 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, previously, the way that I taught this verse was as if it flowed sequentially. Come on, keep your Bibles open. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. So I have taught that verse as if being a new creature led to the old things being passed away. That's the way I taught it. That I become a new creature. I come to Christ. Boom. I become a new creature. Boom. And then old things pass away. Boom. But I love the way the NASB translates this because it shows us that that previous thinking, the sequential thinking of this text is actually incorrect. This verse is not in sequence. I'm going to go back to my point and then I'm going to go back to the text. The verse is not in sequence. Come on now. Keep your Bibles open. Look at this. I'm going to go back to the point I made. The stimulus of the new creation reality is the death of old things. So what the stimulus of becoming new is killing the old. Prove it. Back in the text. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Now that stands as a unit. Coming to Christ, the product of coming to Christ makes me a new creation, a new creature, a new species. But watch this. The old things passed away. Look at how that is in the text. If we take it in sequence, in series, we would understand it that I come to Christ, I become a new creature, then the old things pass away. But that's not the way that that verse is. If you come to Christ, I am a new creature. The old things passed away. In other words, old things being passed away actually comes before the new creature. Look at how it reads. If anyone is in Christ, and I understand, for, for, for you Bible scholars, I understand that punctuation is not inspired. I understand that the, translation, the translators put punctuation in the verse to aid in our understanding. That's why I actually like the way this particular translation, NASB, um, translates this verse. Because the punctuation is actually giving us a translation clue for those who are not as familiar with the Greek text. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, comma, he is a new creature, semicolon. The old things passed away. Wait a minute. Semicolon. Behold, new things have come. So the new thing that comes, the new thing that comes by putting your flesh to death is the new creation. Reverse it. Old things that, after your old things pass away, the new thing that comes that is at the end of that verse, is your new creation. I'm going to go back to my point. The stimulus of the new creation is the death to the old thing. So when I crucify the flesh, a new thing happens. What new thing is that? I become a new species. When I crucify the flesh with its lust and its passion, the result of that is I become 
a new creation. Which means, let me show you how to apply this. I have to stop thinking that all I have to do is come to Christ and say, Lord, do it. I have to put death to the flesh. New regimens, new focus, new patterns, new behaviors. I have to crucify the flesh. When I come to Christ, there it is. I've come to Christ and now have access to all of the tools necessary to crucify the flesh. When the old thing passes away, the new thing comes. What is the new thing? The new creation, the new species. I become new. If I put to death the flesh, if I kill the old thing, the new thing comes. If I kill my old mindset about money, a new mindset about money will come. A new creation of money will come. If I kill my old mindset about my relationship with my parents, a new relationship with my parents will come. If I kill my old mindset about my relationship with my spouse, a new relationship with my spouse will come. If I kill my old mindset about my self-image, a new mindset about my self-image will come. If I kill my old mindset about how I feel about my history and my siblings and who I like and who I don't like and what's good, a new mindset will come. So in other words, we come to Jesus and wait, thinking we have no responsibility. But change requires change. Look, look at how this same verse... Let me read this same verse in the, uh, in the Amplified. Therefore, if anyone is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he's a new creation. Watch this. A new creature altogether. The old, there's even a semicolon there. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. That's how you become the new creation. The reason you're a new creation is because the old Previous moral spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. What is the fresh and new? What is the fresh and new? You are a new creature altogether. What I'm telling you right now, and I need people who are listening to me right now, you need to ask God, God, reveal everything in me that should not be. And then you need to crucify that and then the new will come. Want to get this mouth right? Got to get the heart right. But to get the heart right, right down to the root, to get the heart right, God, what in my heart is a previous moral and spiritual condition that is outside of your will? You got to crucify that. Old behaviors, dead. Then you get new behaviors. Old thinking, dead. Then you get new thinking. Old triggers, dead. Then you get a new mindset, a new reaction. You react differently. This is what makes us new. Becoming new does not kill. I do it like this. Listen, listen closely. Becoming new does not kill the old, but killing the old makes us new. That's the simplest way I can put it. Becoming new does not kill the old, but killing the old makes us new. Third time. Becoming new does not kill the old, but killing the old makes us new. Fourth time, becoming new does not kill the old, but killing the old makes us new. We do people a disservice when we don't tell them and give them the tool set to kill the old, to become new. But instead, we put them under the illusion that simply by 
by, by becoming new, you kill the old. That is not the way it is. When Jesus came in, the new life that we see in David was because the old was killed during, watch this, the identification from the prophet and the prayer. Old lifestyle was gone. New. He created me a clean heart. You with me? Old then new. We don't see people who literally gradually walked into it. We see the Lord immediately at the onset. Encounter, old behaviors fall off, new walk. That's the way. The new creation reality, new creation walk, new creation mindset came after the encounter where the old thing was gone. Paul comes to the, to the road of Damascus full of sin, full of hate, full of rebellion. He has one encounter that completely falls off of him. Those, those scales of his eyes, that, that old life falls off. The new comes. The new comes. New preaching, new teaching, new mindset. Becoming new does not kill the old, but killing the old makes us new. You do not have to keep struggling. Scripture says, he whom the son has set free is free indeed. But change requires change. If you hear me and you're ready to make this, change requires change. That's the challenge. You do not become new simply by saying you want to be. Change requires change. The old saying is, it will only work if you work it. Put the work in. Get your reps up. We got it to do. The world is waiting for the people of God to stand up and actually be Christians. We want to pray with you. We want to continue to serve you and minister to you. God bless you for all that was given. Hear the word of the Lord today. May God bless you. May have a smile upon you and give you peace.